if you have a Bible, power it on, or turn to the one in your book rack to Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2. When's the last time you heard a sermon in Malachi? It'll be fun this weekend. I got to tell you, um, we are finishing a four-week teaching series called Maxed Out, Finding Financial Freedom. We've been using the issue of finances as a platform to talk about something much bigger in our lives. And I've shared with you kind of my hesitation and qualms about churches and uh, the way that they often have abused the issue of finances. And we've tried to focus on helping you find financial freedom, get out of debt, begin to say, God, take control of this area of my life because it overwhelms me and it stresses me out. But I've also shared with you that the Bible actually talks five times as much in the New Testament. Jesus does five times as much on the issue of finances and resources as he does prayer and faith combined. And as a 19-year-old who discovered a relationship with Jesus that had all these problems with churches talking about money, like maybe you do as well, I began to realize God cared about this thing for a particular reason. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21, Jesus says these words, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. As we said, there's no U-Haul behind the hearse. You're not taking it with you. But then verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also began to realize what Jesus was really concerned about wasn't the issue of money itself, but where our heart was. And especially for us today, all these centuries later in American culture, this is one that often dictates our choices in life. And so I want to ask you this big question because this is at the heart of what I want to share tonight. We're finishing the teaching series. It's Thanksgiving weekend. And if I'm completely honest with you, I have been dreading this weekend Because I knew all the weeks leading up to this, we've been talking about how to get financial freedom. And at the end of the series, we were going to talk about this ugly, ugly, horrible word called tithing. Who's excited to teach on tithing tonight, Thanksgiving weekend? (laughs) Not this guy. But here's what I've realized. There is something very big at stake that has nothing to do with money. And this is the question I want to ask. And why now I am so passionate about teaching about this issue in particular. And the question is this, what does it mean? What does it mean to put God first in your life? What does it mean to put God first? We're gonna talk about the issue of finances because the Bible talks about it. But what I'm more concerned with, if you walked in here today and it's your first time in church in years, or you're watching this online right now, and it's the first time you've just kind of clicked on something, you came here, you're going, what is this all about? I want to ask you the question, what does it mean to put God first right now in your life? What does that look like? I believe that's at the heart of this. Jesus is concerned about our heart. You guys ready to study God's word together, church? Yeah, yeah, come on now. Malachi chapter 2, verse 17. This is one of the later prophets in Old Testament times. And the Israelites had kind of turned their backs on God, and they would reap the, the repercussions of that. In verse 17 of Malachi chapter 2, Malachi is uh, used by the Lord to speak these words. It says, you have wearied the Lord with your words. Say, how have we wearied you, they ask. By asking, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or where is 
the God of justice. You see, you don't have to look very far today in our culture to see mass shootings, to see uh, the possibility of war with other countries, to see the violence in many of our urban communities, to see the problems uh, facing many of the impoverished communities in our country today, to see all of the hate and the violence and all the things that happen. And if maybe you're sitting there like some of my friends who are either atheists or agnostic and they go, where is this God of justice that you talk about? That's what was happening in the times of Malachi. And God uses the prophet Malachi to speak to the Israelites about that very thing because they had begun to go, where is this God of justice? We're being obedient to you. We're being oppressed by these other countries. You should come in and save us. But look what it says in verse one of Malachi three, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. If you're new to the Bible, this is a famous verse. This is referenced again in the New Testament talking about not Jesus, but actually John the Baptist. The first part of the verse is about John the Baptist. He's kind of the, the opening band for Jesus, right? The big show was coming. John the Baptist paved the way for all of Jesus' ministries. He was the messenger who was set to prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking, talking about Jesus now, will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. He says, I see the injustice occurring around you right now, but I got a couple things to share with you. Number one, the Messiah is coming. He's going to change everything. But number two, look at verses six to 10 with me. See, later on, the prophet Malachi says these words, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return to you? Say, how do we orient our lives around you, God? Here is what he tells the Israelites. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under the curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Tough verse. We're going to break it down here in a moment. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? God. We thank you uh, for all the things we have to be thankful for this time of year. Thank you that all these people came out on a Saturday night to worship you, to study your word. God, we acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit in the room, and each of us maybe come from different backgrounds. Some of us have been following you for a long time, some for a short time, some are searching out our things of faith, some are watching online trying to connect with you. Wherever we're at spiritually, God, we pray your spirit would minister to us in a fresh way. We surrender this weekend to you, and we pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's family said, amen, amen. Anybody out there have a $100 bill? Anybody out there? Anybody? You've got one? You really do? Would you be willing to bring that up? Get it out. Take a moment. Uh, thank you. Put your hands together. She's actually going to do this and participate. I figured she would be a little fearful. Maybe you should have been. And maybe, were you lying? Was that it? You don't actually? Oh, you do? Okay, come on up here. Come on up here. Uh, I know you, are you related to Jeff there? Oh, well, I'll be easy on you then. So this is a $100 bill. Can you thank her for coming up here today? That was great. It's really fun to have you this weekend. I'm just kidding. A $100 bill right here. 
Uh, I, I'm, I'm only going to be here for a moment. How, uh, how much of this, this is a lot of money, right? How much of this, biblically speaking, is God's? That's a tough one. A hundred percent, a hundred dollars out of a hundred dollars, biblically speaking, is God's. Can you thank her for bringing that up? I'm going to use that as an analogy. I won't keep it the rest of the time. I, I, I was really easy on you. I'm going to be harder on people later this weekend. So I, when I first realized that, it really began to shape my way of thinking. And, and here's what I want to share with you. See, my son, uh, he, he is awesome. He's a great kid. Uh, but man, sometimes I see myself too much in him. And I remember a while back, he really wanted to watch a particular movie that I would have to buy, right? So it was going to cost me $15 to watch a movie, and he'd probably watch it one time. And so I did what we do as parents sometimes, and I told him, no, you can't do that. He turned to me and got, come on, parents, you know what's about to happen. He got really upset, total emotional breakdown. I can't believe you wouldn't let me watch the movie, Dad. I really want to watch it. Then, here's what we do. Then he said, I've been so obedient today. I have been so well-behaved, I deserve the $15 to watch that movie. Why? Because he thought in his head that somehow, because he was obedient, that me as a parent, I, he deserved the money that I had worked for. So here's what I told him. I said, uh, Jake, okay, you have been. I really appreciate that you've been obedient today, but here's the deal. 100% of the money that you're asking for, I worked for right? Like I had a job and I worked for the money and I got the money. And so when I get to give you money by buying you uh, something or taking you out for ice cream or feeding you or putting clothes on your back or a roof over your head, you know, I didn't go into all that, but like, you know, like a hundred percent of that, you didn't deserve any of it. You didn't work for it. It's not yours. And here's the other thing I told him, I said, but here's, a, you are my son and I love you. And I want to, I want to do nice things for you. I want to do things that show my love for you. And so when I do things that use the money that I worked for, that's because I love you and I'm just showing you all kinds of grace and mercy and helping you out. You didn't earn it. See, I know that in my relationship with my son, but reverse that for a moment. And that's how I should look at it with my relationship with my heavenly father that out of the $100 that you so wisely brought up here, 100% of that, as we talked a week ago, really is his. God gave us the physical abilities, the talents, the, the, the ability to actually go out and earn an income. And at any moment, we've seen that can be taken away. In fact, I saw this not too long ago that it's still all the technological advances in human history. And still today, if there aren't six inches of soil and uh, regular rain, life would not exist on the planet. That we've all been entrusted with certain things. And my difficult thing is in my relationship with God, like the Israelites struggled with, by the way, was to go, now, wait a second. I know I worked hard for that, right? That, that $100 she brought up, that was like 10 hours of work there. I, I worked hard. That's, that's mine. And yet, biblically speaking, what it asks us that the, as the Israelites struggled with is rather than crying out where the God of justice is, he probably looks at me and looks at us and says, I'm right there wanting to use you and the resources I've entrusted you with to tackle the injustice in our society today. And so when the Israelites 
cry out. God has the audacity to speak in Malachi verse uh, Malachi 3, 8, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? I don't know about you, but we often in our culture today, we feel entitled to certain possessions as we studied the first week. You got to lead that bougie lifestyle, right? Like you got to have these things. You got to drive a nice car. And yet the reality is, like myself and my son, 100% is that it's just God allowing us to have the life that we have been given. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna give you a Christian perspective. And it's in me, okay? I I don't wanna tell you how to live your life, but I wanna share with you what scripture teaches about this, that the Christian perspective is that we are entirely reliant on God for life, now and eternally. And so if you wanna answer just a couple of questions together here, and the first question is this, the word it used there was this word tithe. And you may be new to this, right? And so I just want to answer the question, what is tithing? What does it mean to tithe? Literally, the the Hebrew word there is ma'aser, and it means uh, tithe or 10%. Literally, it means 10%. And the idea was with the early Israelites that they would set aside the first 10% of all of their resources, their livestock and their crops, and they would set that aside for God. And so what is tithing? Well, number one, tithing is returning the first 10% of our income to God's church, to God's church. It says in Leviticus 27.30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. A tithe, the first 10%. It's trusting that God would do more with $90 than you could do with 100. It is an act of faith of saying, okay, God, I'm going to trust you by putting this aside, honoring you in this way. And as I read in verse 10, I, I mentions the storehouse there. I believe that's the local church. Now, you can disagree about that, but I believe that the heart is that the first 10% of our resources would be surrendered for the local church to actually make an impact rather than just spending it on buildings and staff, but that's a whole other discussion. See, at the heart of it, is that we are returning the first 10% of our resources to God's work through the local church. Now, you may be sitting there and go, well, that's easy to say because you're a pastor. You work at the church, (laughs) right? Like, that's what I would be thinking. So maybe you're better than me. And it's entirely true. Um, But I want to tell you, first of all, I I don't have final say on how resources are used at our church. We have an operations team that has final say on stuff. Uh, I'm I'm one of uh, seven people a part of that team. Uh, I don't uh, touch the day in and day out finances. Uh, Our executive pastor, Dana, oversees that, and uh, we have a team that does that as well, as well as a treasurer on our church staff. From day one, I've tried to distance myself some from that, even though I cast vision or or try with a team to cast vision, Uh, but I don't have the um, ability to be involved entirely in the finances. And I have seen in my life in particular that as I began to realize this is just returning it to him, that act of faith is life changing. So what is tithing? It's returning the first 10%. Number two, tithing is giving my first and best so that he can bless the rest. Tithing is giving my first and best so that he can bless the rest. It says this in Proverbs chapter three, verses nine to 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth 
with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim out over with new wine. Literally, it's return it to him because you want to honor him and you're going to do it with the first fruits. They, they had a whole festival that they celebrated for hundreds of years in Jewish culture where they would surrender the first harvest to the Lord, trusting that he was going to provide for them for over the rest of the year with the remaining harvest. What would that look like in our lives today? That's difficult, isn't it? I got to tell you, I, a lot of times on this issue, um, I don't share personal stuff. I, I feel like it lacks humility, and the Bible says, you know, not let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. I've been asked by the staff to share some personal stuff. I'm going to do it this one time. I will probably never do it again. Here is how Lisa and I do that in, in our um, finances. We just set it up that our bank account automatically takes it out of our check. I never see it. It is the bank for free, mails the check to the church, and I never see it there. So I don't ever have to wonder where did I do it this month? Did I do it that way? And then I know that I'm living off of the 90% rather than off of the 100% and trusting God in that area. And inevitably, people then begin to go, okay, this sounds crazy, first of all, Pastor Man, but second... If I ever tried that, um, it would take a whole lot of work, and I just got to ask the question, are you talking about the gross, or are you talking about the net, right? Anybody, some of you finance people, your brain goes straight there. Um, the Bible doesn't really talk about that, and I get that that could be drastically different in some of your finances. Uh, my wife and I, we've trusted with the gross, but I can't tell you that that's biblical. Uh, just I think the most important thing is that you're honoring the Lord in that area and giving him your first and best and trusting him with the rest. He's after your heart, not your money. That's what's going on in that area. Tithing is giving God my first and best and trusting uh, God, with the rest, do you honor the Lord with the finances he has entrusted you with? So that's what tithing is. We all tracking. Sometimes we think, I, I, I tithed a little there, I tithed a little there. No, that's, that's giving. Biblically, that's giving. Tithing is trusting God with the first and 10%. So the second question is, biblically speaking, then why are we supposed to tithe? Like, why in the world would any crazy human being be dumb enough to do that? <laughs> I'll never forget, when we first started the church, most of the people had never been to church in their life, and we had a breakout group in my home, and I remember distinctly a good friend of mine going, why would anyone ever do that at all? That's insane. Here's why the Bible teaches us that we should tithe. Uh, number one, tithing provides for God's work through the local church. Malachi 3 verse 10, as I said, uh, said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. It's a reference to, at that time, the Israelite uh, temple. Um, and today it's not about a building, it's the lives of believers, the body of Christ coming together, that we are called to tithe to provide for God's work through the local church. And I can share this I am proud of how our team, from day one, as a church plant, has honored the Lord in this area of our church. From day one, most churches, if they are lucky and do things really well, they will give 10% of their resources away outside the walls of the church. From day one, we gave away 20% of the resources. Uh, and over the last three years now, we've been working towards giving away 50% of the resources to our ministry partners that we have an outside the walls team that works with those partnerships who come in and share their vision. And they say no to more than they say yes to because they wanna be good stewards of the resources that our church has been entrusted with. 
and that this year we are going to give away over 35% of the resources to ministry partners that are uh, ministering in South Africa, are ministering in Mexico, are ministering uh, right here in the state of Indiana, uh, that are doing outreach events around the state of Indiana, that are doing ministry in bars, that are spreading the good news of Jesus on the radio, that are looking for any way to share our faith and help those two, help people in need. And those two always go better together than they, they are apart. And so I'm proud to say that we have done many of those things and ministered to home place and families in need and been able to hopefully, if the Expand the Vision campaign goes away, that we're hoping we'll be able to uh, actually plant a bunch more churches in the state of Indiana, that we will actually build a facility for the South African choir that was here a few weeks ago. You guys remember them? We're going to actually, with $15,000, build a church facility. That's all it takes for them to worship in. The pastor that was here that weekend is going to be the one who is leading that church. You guys got to meet him. We're going to be able to help a prison rehabilitation program that you saw in the video there. We're going to be able to help the missionaries that we have sent to a 99% Muslim country who, by the way, their well went out and they have not had water running a farm. And so they need that to actually happen to fix the well. And so we want to see more ministry to expand the vision of what we could do. And it comes down to that because we honor God with our finances so that God can actually use the church to make an impact. And I, I gave the Expand the Vision campaign, but actually tithing, we're setting that aside uh, uh, to actually already do impact here in the local community outside the walls of our church with our ministry partners. If you ever have any questions about that, ask away. We have to reclaim better PR for the local church by trusting that God is going to use some resources to actually make an impact that our sole ministry is not just to fill seats here at this building, but actually to uh, send people out around the world and make an impact with the resources we've been entrusted with. Number two, why tithe? Tithing teaches us to put God first. For me personally, I can't say for you, th this is the biggest thing. Why it's so important to me personally I believe it teaches us, and I'm not talking about giving here, I'm talking about tithing in particular, teaches us to put God first. Because it's one of the easier ways, actually, you may think it's not, to honor God. You see, if you struggle with gossiping, that's a moment-by-moment -moment decision of choosing to follow God in your life. This is a one click of a button online to say, I'm going to prioritize. So when we don't do it, we have consciously chosen not to do that. That's the way I look at it. That tithing teaches us to put God first in our lives. Uh, Deuteronomy 14.23, I'm re reading a slightly different version, that essentially says the purpose of tithe is to teach you to always put God first in your life. To always put God first in your lives. Deuteronomy uh, 14.23. In fact, in Matthew 6, we said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you realize the end of that segment in Matthew 6 says this? Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's talking about finances early on, that you cannot serve both God and money. Money serves you as you serve God, as we talked about week one. And now it's saying the reason you do that is because you're seeking his righteousness first in your life. It teaches us to put God first. That's why in Malachi 3, 8 and 9, it says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings. 
So I, I hear that. And do you ever go, man, if I actually changed this, that would be a major change in my life, wouldn't it? It'd be a major change. And the, and the answer to that is, yes, it would be. That's the hard part of it, not the decision. It would mean a major change in your life to saying, I'm going to orient my life in a way where I seek first him and his kingdom and his righteousness. And I'm going to trust he's going to do more with 90% than I would with 100%. Not so that you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and we often misinterpret Malachi 3 and think that the floodgates are going to open, so you're going to be super wealthy, you're going to be like on Forbes someday. That's not always the case. He's going to bless you, and it may be financially because he trusts you more because you're going to use your resources to make an impact, but it also may be that he blesses you in other ways. It doesn't mean that you're going to be wealthy because you honor him. It does mean that he is going to bless you and use you. And when he says that you've been stealing what I have been entrusted with, I don't know how you feel when you hear that, but like, whenever I think of stealing, I go back to when I was a little kid. You probably don't because you weren't a thief, but apparently I was. And my mom sent me to the store. I always remember this as a little kid. I walked like the uh, seven miles to the store, at least it felt like it. I got to the store and all I had to get was Kraft Singles cheese. I don't know what it was. As like a seven-year-old kid, I loved Kraft Singles cheese. And so she sent me to the store to get some. I get the cheese and on the way out, I noticed the gumball machine, and I hear the change rattling in my pocket. And so I took the uh, coin, and I went over to the machine, I cranked it in there, put it in my mouth, it tasted so good. So I took another coin out, I put it in there too, got some for later, and then I walked home. I don't know why I didn't think my mom would be smart enough to figure this out since this was the first time she'd ever sent me to the store and she was a math major in college. But she said, uh, you didn't return all of the money here. That's called stealing, Josh. And I remember the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment that came with that. You ever felt that before? And often when we talk about this issue in our lives, sometimes we go to shame and guilt. God's motivation for you to tithe or to, to give financially is not shame and guilt. He doesn't want you to walk around feeling guilty. In fact, it tells us in Scripture to give with a joyful heart because we know the love our Heavenly Father has for us. He's after your heart, not just after your money. And maybe you're sitting there and it, it, you're going, why would I do this then? And I, so we just avoid the whole issue because we've got this guilt and shame instead of going, man, what's really at stake here is me learning to put God first in my life. And this is one of the ways for whatever reason, the enemy has used in my life to keep me from fully uh, honoring and loving God, having an intimate relationship with him, allowing him to use my life more fully, living with the joy that he's designed me for. Maybe that's you. See, the third and final reason we tithe is tithing builds our faith in God. Tithing builds our faith in God. It's interesting, Malachi 3. It's where we started. I'm gonna come back to it. In verse 10, the second half of it said, Test me in this. Test me in this. It's the only place in all of Scripture God ever tells us to test him. Isn't that weird? Of all the things he tells us to test him in, he says, test me in this. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing. Again, not always financial, that you will not have room enough for it. Test me in this, that I'll do more with 90% than you did with 100%. Give God your first and best so that he can bless the rest. You see, 
we're going to give you an opportunity today to try something you've never tried. And if you want to, you still don't trust a local church, I get it. I'm not really concerned whether you give money to Mercy Road Church or not. I mean, I, I love those of you that tithe and regularly here and you make a huge impact and thank you guys so much. But the goal of this challenge is not that, that to get people to give money to the church or something. The goal of this challenge is for you to surrender your whole heart to Jesus. And so inside your program, there's a card and it's the, the 90 day challenge card. We've done this a few times. This isn't the first time we've done this. It won't be the last time we do it. That you might try for 90 days to honor God with the first, not the last, 10% of your resources. Say, God, I'm just gonna trust you that you're gonna do more with 90 than I did with 100. I'm gonna make a bigger impact with my life. I've only got so many years anyway on this planet. Use me. And what we always do with this is, at the end of 90 days, if you're like, that was the worst experience ever, you're dumb, this church is dumb, I don't like the people here, they're bad people, I don't ever wanna be here again, uh, we will, we will get, refund you all of the money that you have given. Our goal is not, again, to get you to do that, it's to try and get you to trust the Lord in your life, including in the area of your finances. Now, if you come back and you're like, two years later, you're like, I got this great real, uh, real estate investment deal and I really need that money back, uh, sorry about you, it's too late. But at 90 days, man, we'll totally do that because we just want you to say, God, use me. So maybe fill that card out. And at the end at the Connect Center, you just wanna drop it in the basket or actually at the door on your way out, drop it in the basket, man. We're not gonna bug you. We're gonna send you one email to tell you thanks. And we might send you one email at the end of 90 days just because we want you to honor the Lord and learn to live and trust him in this area. You see, what you do with what you have reveals what you believe about God. And so if we believe that he is almighty God that created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, and then after millennia of human history and people rebelling against God and not trusting him in their lives, he sends his messenger that praves the way for Jesus' ministry who comes into the world, gives his life as a sacrifice on the cross, raises from the grave on the third day, overcomes sin and death itself that you and I might live eternally with him in heaven. He says, not just your money, your time, your talents, your treasures, everything you've been entrusted with in this life, use it because you only have so many days on this planet. Life is like a vapor, the scriptures teach. And so he says, the way that Jesus lived, the sacrificed his life for many, that surrendered his will to his heavenly father's will, that said, this is all yours, Lord, use me. That there were people, the, the early Christians, who said, because Jesus did that, so will I. I will do that. And because the early Christians, these few people who turned into thousands of people and then tens of thousands and then hundreds of thousands and then millions of people, people more people began to say, hey, because they sacrificed and said, I'm going to honor God with my life and learn to live for him, so will I. You see, where is the God of justice? He looks at the local church today and he says, I'm right there. I'm waiting to use you. Your money, yes, but your time, your talents, everything I've entrusted you with. When you get to heaven 100 years from now, you're not gonna give a rip about most of the things you invest your life in, but this you will care about. So like the many people before you, generations upon generations of people who have said, so will I, today you and I can also proclaim God because others have honored you and lived for you and not themselves, so will I. I will live in a way that is completely wholly surrendered to you. And this is just one example of me putting you first, not last in my life. I'm gonna wake up in the morning, I'll pop open the Bible and ask God for five minutes, speak to me. You're the first thing in my life, not the last thing. 
I'm going to look at my finances and say, God, I don't know how it's going to happen. I'm going to say, this is the first thing in my life to honor you, not the last thing. I'm going to look at my time and my calendar, and I'm going to say, God, because you sacrificed and you gave up your life, so will I. Use my calendar. Whatever you want, I'll take things away and I'll add things to it. You want me to go in another country and live as a missionary and live the rest of my life reaching an indigenous population because other people have before, so will I. I will go there and I will do what you would ask because it's why I exist on this planet, because I've known your mercy and grace and I've surrendered my life to you.